Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. I have my... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fractal Bitcoin. <laughs> the Bitcoin panel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's oh, Barry, yeah. by the way. I have all these sound clips. But anyway, everyone, yeah. welcome. We're glad you're here. We've assembled the most geeked up, savage Bitcoiners you've ever seen in your life, you've ever heard. Everyone you see on the screen, even the people you don't see, are certifiable. That's how crazy they are. And we love this, right? AC, I mean, look, you, you're standing in front of a nice, looks like you're in a nice home, but you're I'm a maniac, aren't button. you? <laughs> yeah, you know, my top three things are Bitcoin, bullets, and beer. So you can kind of see that all in, all in my bar. Whoa. I know Walter X is foaming at the mouth right now. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly. So also Nick is here. Nick, you live you live close to us. So three of us are. I'm not going to say where (laughs) because. But which FEMA region? uh, We're in. We're all yeah. We're in the same FEMA region. Oh Jesus! Northern Alaska. That's where we are actually. Um. So, so let's get into the news. I mean, what what have you guys been seeing in the news? That's crazy. Everything. Every I was well, say gestures vaguely. Uh, <laughs> I know, but Bitcoin. All right, but we're not, and we're not going to talk about ETFs. Okay, is that okay? <laughs> that please, dear lord. As in, please I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say ETFs are just noise. So I hope we don't get into it. Um, so yeah. it sounds like we got consensus already. Right. The yeah. uh, the registration for Bitcoin miners, that was the one that I saw this week that was like, ooh. So by the way, I am a software developer and I'm have any of you heard of SAS mining? Yeah, yeah, Mickey yeah. Mickey just went over there. Yeah, so I'm over there part time right now. Oh. Um but anyways, so I was asking the CTO, what his thoughts were on some of this today. But yeah, that's that's the one that I'm like, man, is it time to like leave the states? Is that just a proposal or is that a legit thing now? So my understanding is they have six months to, they're calling it, Oh, what was the the nomenclature was kind of funny because it's like a mandatory self-report. It well, it's like uh, yeah, it's but it basically you have to hand over geolocation, number of rigs, serial numbers of rigs. Like it's pretty intrusive, and why? Because apparently Bitcoin mining is a potential risk to the energy grid when we yeah, kind of know that's, that's the opposite yeah. is that, yeah, that's that's something they're trying to, like, oh yeah sorry i was just gonna ask go is that something uh, is that something that they're trying to like get home miners to do as well so if you like bought a miner they want you to like hand in that or is it just for like large scale it commercial operations is oh, my okay. understanding yeah. it's still pretty yeah okay. i think it was yeah, publicly still- traded Okay, that's still pretty intrusive because I was thinking if they're trying to like make home home miners do that do that, then uh, my my reaction would be, I mean, it's I still don't think it's great, but <laughs> if they try to force that on the home miners, it's going to be uh, not good. Yeah, I don't know how they, this is even going to be enforceable, um, but 
Yeah. Through the U.S. Energy Information Administration. So it was news to me. I'd never even heard of them before. Because I've heard of the U.S. Department of Energy, but... The Bitcoin police are coming. Yeah. It's all right if it's proof of stake mining, though. They differentiate you there. Wait, seriously? So there's just like a like a carve out for proof of stake? Yeah. So basically, you go through like page one and two of the re- the um, the request for information, and it, it like page two, if you are proof of stake, you just basically can stop there and say, "Oh, I don't need to report any additional information." Wow. Yeah, I haven't actually uh, I haven't actually read the the the, the full report, but that's uh, asinine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. So that was the big news topic I heard this week. That was like, oh, how much of this do we think is just like uh, to try to discourage new people from getting into it? I don't know. I, it plays into it, right? Don't you think? Definitely. Let's kind of kill the market before it gets too big and make people feel like you know the boogeyman's coming. Yeah, I mean, it's that whole, like, game of trying to put regulatory burden on people. So, you know, it makes you want to not... It's, it's kind of weird, too, because it almost has... I mean, it maybe maybe this is just my own brain, but it seems to have an opposite effect. So, like, instead of being like, oh, yeah, we want to we wanna comply, like, it forces people to do things, like, kind of in the underground, for lack of a better way of saying it. You know, because if you're, a, like, a mid or a small-sized miner, yeah, I mean, I guess, if, I guess if this only applies to publicly traded companies, then it's... I don't know. They already have a bunch of regulatory burden on them already, but it just makes the barrier to entry that much, you know, that much more annoying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily publicly traded because we were talking about this at SAS, SAS mining, um, oh. and the implications of that. So I think it's more if you're a commercial mining operation, publicly traded or not. At least that's my understanding. Mm. I'm yeah, sure okay. they're going to have a lawyer look at all this to further confirm what's actually needed or not. But yeah. yeah, the interesting the interesting part with that is if you zoom out and you look at like what happened in China in 2021, does it really affect, you know, the Bitcoin network, the Bitcoin protocol? Sure, it's going to dip, hash rates going to drop uh, if people choose to vote with their feet and leave the United States. Um, but overall, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really going to change or affect Bitcoin. And uh, like others have said, it might just motivate people to you know, start positioning and posturing for that eventual move elsewhere. And what that really does is take creativity and innovation offshore and put us further behind as the United States in this you know, new and emerging innovation that Personally, I think everyone should adopt and consider at least a small allocation, if not a large allocation, of you know their overall wealth. Right. Yeah. Worst come to worst, we have like a slower blocks for a couple of weeks. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a buddy the other day about my miners, and th- this is a good example about how early we are. Um, he uh, and this is a smart guy who operates on people. He uh, <laughs> he he said like. He actually, my miners were physical people that were somehow serving and digging for Bitcoin. Had no idea they were servers. Um, I, it kind of blew my mind there. he believed this. Yeah, I thought he was joking at first. That's hilarious. Um, you got a bunch of people yeah. stuffed in a room doing math manually. 
you could make like funny videos where a bunch of us dress up like physical miners and like we're going into a cave and a reporter like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're going in here to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, pa, exactly. I got the orange lung. <laughs> <laughs> the dust, that dust. What is the dust stuff, AC? We were talking at the meeting the other day. It's like yeah, little bits yeah, so of Bitcoin. It, it's, it's basically, um, you know, small amounts of sats or satoshis that eventually become unspendable based on the the fees required to transact on on layer one on the base layer right that's interesting so i wanted to bring this up real quick because i did a episode my episode earlier today was um i discussed the seven misleading bogus criticisms of bitcoin that the state disseminates to bolster its fiat propaganda <laughs> yes Come on. All right. And the first one is uh, Bitcoin has no intrinsic value. This critique argues that Bitcoin is purely digital and backed by nothing and therefore has no intrinsic value. The rebuttal to this is Bitcoin's value is derived from its scarcity, security and, and decentralization, which are all valuable properties. I mean, look, I'm, wonder, I'm curious what you guys say to this. I, one thing, the first thing that I thought of was like, and I know this isn't specific to Bitcoin, but like whatever we whatever we say is valuable is valuable to to a certain degree right like it's almost like we if we all agree that something is valuable then we all believe it's valuable but if half the people start to believe no that's not valuable then whatever but let's talk about what is the intrinsic value of bitcoin how do we talk to people who just say oh there's no intrinsic value i'll i'll jump on this one first and typically i just agree with them like if you look at the definition of intrinsic value, it is uh, it has the ability to be used other than as a form of money. People always look at gold and they say it could be used in electronics or jewelry. OK, sure, it has intrinsic value. And that's like the, the book answer. That's the book nerd answer. But in practical terms, it has a ton, a ton of intrinsic value. Like you said, it's it's backed by, you know, absolute provable scarcity. 21 million uh, is all that there will ever be. It's backed by a massive wall of energy. It's backed by cryptography and it's decentralized across the entire globe. So you can take your pick. Do you want it to be used as jewelry or something else? Or do you want leveraging technology to support uh, the back end of Bitcoin? And so if I, if I agree with them and they shut up so I don't have to listen to them anymore, talk about stupid intrinsic value, good. If they don't get it, they don't get it. They'll eventually get it at the price they deserve. Right. It also can't be manipulated like every other currency out there, which has Bitcoin been hacked yet? How many How many years, 10 years going on? 15. It's, uh, pretty rock solid. Um, but like what else even compares? I can't think of it. Yeah, I mean, I just finished uh, the Bitcoin, reading the Bitcoin standard for the first time. And when he talks about hard money versus soft money, I mean, it's and how how societies flourish when there's actually hard money, like under the gold standard, society flourished from 1870 to 1910 because the money was solid. And but in the fiat world, when the money's not solid, then there's just a bunch of shenanigans happening. And it's it's like there's no footing. There's no base. Right. Yeah, I mean, gold isn't as corrupt as the U.S. dollar, obviously, but it's still got its own corruptions. There's people doing market manipulation and things of this nature. Um, same, you know, the diamond market, and they've got 
you know, that they, they artificially hold back diamonds from being released into the market. So, you know, even these things that we think are a little bit maybe less messy compared to, you know, the dollar of some country, it still blows that stuff away. Yeah, right. diamonds are a scam. <laughs> As someone who grew up in the jewelry industry, diamonds are a freaking scam. <laughs> right, because they can't even... The, didn't the cubic zirconia get so good, now they it's really hard to tell real diamonds from fake? Mm, True. I mean, you still can, but, I mean, they yeah, they, they, they have gotten pretty damn good. Well, and even, like, naturally occurring diamonds, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's diatremes up in the, like, Canadian Shield that... I think De Beers went through and they were just buying up whole swaths of land so that nobody else could mine the diamonds that they knew were there. Yeah, uh, I don't know because, about that specifically, but it sounds accurate enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I was looking for the quote about Bitcoin um, that Satoshi put out. And it was basically like, imagine a something that had all the properties of money, but had no like other properties of gold. And actually, in some ways, it becomes more useful as a form of money because gold has these other subjective values to it that something like Bitcoin doesn't. And anyways, I, I'm paraphrasing terribly. The, um, but ultimately, everything has the you know subjective uh, value to it. And it really is. It's what do we place it? What, what sort of value do we place on a money, on a currency? I mean, even the, the American dollar is maybe the most, what, uh, you know, legit, I don't know, I don't know, legit's a bad word, the, the, a safe in general place to put your money, but even that, your your value is decreasing pretty rapidly. Uh, you know, in 100 years, your $100 is going to be worth a dollar, maybe, if you're lucky. Um, yep. You know, Assuming uh, we last all the 100 years. <laughs> yeah. All right, the second one here is the government will shut down Bitcoin. And I argued that this is really not possible. But what do you what do you guys <laughs> think number 2 here? What do you guys think? I mean, they would literally have to cut internet cables to the entire world to shut it down and even then we still have I mean, I don't know how far Blockstream's gotten uh into it because I haven't actually used their stuff, but I mean, shit, we got satellites <laughs> relay uh relaying blocks. So, I mean, they could make it really darn hard to use that's for sure but like they would also be at a large detriment to i mean global internet infrastructure they would really have to neuter the like the entire world or you know whatever government decided to you know shut down bitcoin yeah they would pretty much have to neuter the world (laughs) to do it because i mean we're transacting over the internet so let's also not forget that um, most governments own a lot of bitcoin that's true I know U.S. is on number four on the list. This U.S. owns the fourth most out of any, you know, private entity. I was going to say they're not going to shut it down because it. it I mean, it benefits them. <laughs> they might not like it because they can't control it as well, but um, I mean, they'll definitely try. But ultimately, it benefits them too. So, yeah, it's just hard. You, it's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say a country can only ban itself from. Bitcoin. Yeah, I think I saw um, a comic recently. I forget the person who do- I forget the name of the person who does these little um, like kind of cartoony doodles of of Bitcoin con- concepts. But it was like it was someone being like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm banning Bitcoin," and they just build a wall around themselves. 
Uh, yeah, I really wish I could remember that artist's name because it's great little. It's great, uh, great. I'm gonna see if I can find that. It's great uh, little Bitcoin yeah. concept comics, but yeah. I think I saw Relay reposted that on Twitter also. I mean the 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 power of the Bitcoin network is just insane. I don't think we can even really put it in our mind's eye anymore. It's just I don't even know what the last figure I read was, but it was, how many gigajoules we're talking? I mean it's crazy largest most powerful network in the history of the world right also how are you gonna <laughs> another fun point too is there's been some some work recently i don't know how much you guys pay attention to like mesh networking or anything like that but there's oh, um this newer network that at least i recently stumbled upon called reticulum and somebody built a cashew wallet to send cashew payments over reticulum and it's its own networking stack so you can essentially send bitcoin i mean i, th I know i think like nvk and other people have done it or a couple other people have done it where they send bitcoin transactions via ham radio but this is essentially like uh, another form of sending you know as long as you have a, a node running and there's like you know some sort of form of consensus going on you can still send bitcoin transactions via you know handheld ham radio style devices <laughs> like shut that that down <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's too much i mean come on all right bitcoin is too volatile that's i don't know that's a weird uh well look uh, okay here's i want to ask you guys this when i think of bitcoin and this has been forever since i got into bitcoin i've always thought of it as a long-term store of value like i'm not going to sell for at least 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. Like, so like, like I'm not even considering when I might sell yet. I'm 10 years away from even considering it. So, but there are, so for me, the volatility, I don't really mind because, you know, it, it still keeps going up and to the right. But I guess people who trade daily, the vo they're worried about volatility or, or I, I mean, I understand like if you get paid your salary in Bitcoin and then, you know, then a bear market happens and you're, you know, you, you lose 80% of your value. I get that. Um, what do you guys think about that? The volatility? Well, it can be tough if you're a miner like I am. So when the price dips down to a point where my cost for my, um, you know, provider, my monthly bill is more than what I'm making, it's not very fun. Uh, and actually it got so bad that they just voluntarily said, hey guys, we're just going to shut down operations for a few months uh, when, you know, things were really bad, you know, in the 15,000, 16,000 area, uh, which was actually great that they did that because we would all just been throwing money away, you know, spend 20,000, 10,000 is kind of stupid. Um, so, you know, it does impact that kind of thing for sure. I was actually yeah, thinking I, about it here. Sorry, go ahead, AC. I was going to say a lot of times I hear the volatility argument from like, no coiners and pre coiners. And I always refer them back to like the 200 month weekly or 200 weekly moving average. Uh, it smooths it out, it paints a better picture. And then the other piece of it is as long as we continue to denominate Bitcoin in fiat terms, and most of us probably, you know, that denominator is US dollars. And like we talked about earlier, it's a manipulated system where we print more money introduced into the system. Uh, it, it's going to look volatile. Uh, we're still early enough where we're going to see 20-point swings up and down, 50. I don't think we'll ever see another 80-point swing or percentage swing. But I always tell people to try to zoom out if possible. 
like Walter mentioned, there there are some people out there, a lot of people out there with massive skin in the game, and that volatility is a, a lot closer to home. But for folks who are on the periphery, uh, they have the ability to to kind of smooth out those bumps a little bit better um, than those that are that are closer to the generation of of new Bitcoin and mining Bitcoin. I was going to say, as someone who uses Bitcoin on almost a daily basis, you know, like buying whatever I can, you know, like my basics with Bitcoin, I definitely like it when the dollar value is up because that means my sats stretch a little bit further. Um, at least because, like you said, um, a lot of people still denominate things in dollars. So the sats price will swing on a daily basis. And I, I do like it when I get, you know, more for my sats. But at the same time, and granted, this is just for myself and everyone has their own personal mindset, but I really try not to think about price because I, 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 or at least I think about it differently. I think about at it or about it as more of an exchange rate, I guess, rather than like value, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than like as, as, as value because I'm, because I'm using it so often, I guess, you know, it's like, okay, if, you know, if I go to the US, I can get, I don't know what the current price is. Um, but, you know, it's like whatever I can get, you know, 2,300 sats for my dollar or I can go somewhere else and get, you know, I don't know, fucking 20,000 sats for a, you know, for whatever their, you know, currency is or something. I don't know. It's, um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. I was. I was trying to like formulate a thought as I was speaking, and it <laughs> didn't turn out so well. But. but well, yeah, I think uh, it, right. point taken. Yeah, the yeah, volatility yeah. thing just seems like a weird fiat argument. That it's like, I mean, if you're if you're thinking mostly in dollars, and if you have businesses, then sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> Makes sense. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I was going to say, I think there's like if you look at a lot of countries where you know an average income for a week is a hundred dollars or less. Mm -hmm. And that 80% swing can mean a lot. Right. right. I mean, that can literally mean the difference between putting food on the table or not. So I can understand, um, the neat, it's like holding on to the melting ice cube where, okay, it's like, I know I'm going to be spending most of this in this next week. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, but if that 80% swing happens or 20% or whatever during the week, yeah, that's going to suck. Right. Um, but then you look at other countries where, you know, Turkey, for example, or Venezuela, where they have experienced rampant inflation and their currency is being devalued 80% in a week. And so it's like, I don't know. I, in a lot of ways, we're pretty fortunate to be like, denominating most things still in the U S dollar. Right. Um, but I know for me, like the long term store of value is Bitcoin. Um, you know, I'm pretty much like paying off whatever bills I have at the beginning and the end of each month and the middle of the month. And then everything else is swept into sats. So, I mean, it's, yep. but yeah. Another part yeah. too is, um, Bitcoin is arguably the most revolutionary technology of our lifetimes. Uh, Shouldn't it be volatile? If it wasn't volatile, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if it stayed the same all the time, then like, yeah, there's nothing going on with and, it. <laughs> and the whole world has turned volatile. I mean, we can't even agree what a man or a woman is anymore. So, I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and especially when new technology when new things come out it's always like the the fringe kind of crazier people who are the first adopters right like the the middle the masses don't accept something in the beginning so i think that also causes volatility because it's 
there's it's just people adopt things at different speeds, and then that adoption rate contributes. Yeah, well, it's all but, different. Oh yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's a whole different way of like you know thinking and operating. Like you said, people are used to working in this broken system. Something I was actually talking about the meetup the other day or, or last night. Um, it seems that like a lot of people know that there's a problem and know that something is broken, but they don't necessarily have the education or the like frame of mind to like describe the problem. You know, so like you know they'll bitch about you know how you know the bag of chips they bought went up a dollar, you know, over the last six months or something like that. And they write, you know, they, they, they you know, they, they see, see stuff like that, but they don't have the vocabulary to describe what's causing the problem. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, yeah. no, I think that's 100% makes sense. Like, I think for me, Bitcoin, um, opened my eyes to really learning about money and monetary systems. It's not something that we're taught in school, but it's definitely part of the rabbit hole, at least the path that I took going down the rabbit hole. And then you start to discover like inflation, debasement, um, fractional reserve lending and banking and all of these things. And then you start to build that vocabulary, like you'd mentioned about how to describe what's wrong with the current system. But if it weren't for Bitcoin, I would have never learned a fraction of those things. I was completely uninterested in banking until like, Uh, probably like 2016 or so when I really started to, you know, read about economics and whatnot. And then I was like, oh, you know, everything just, you know, after it granted, you know, six months of reading, I was like, oh, it clicks. <laughs> I get it now. It can be tough to get Bitcoin. I mean, myself, even as a technologist, I had a coworker a decade ago who was mining. He had hundreds of Bitcoins. I just, I couldn't, I just didn't get it. I thought it was just silly goofy, geeky, digital BS, you know, I didn't even spend an afternoon to take the guy out to lunch to dig his brain. I mean, I could be worth so much more money had I not been so pig-headed. And I think, you know, back then, by who I was, I was very much more of a normie, for lack of a better term. Like, I, I believed a lot of things I totally disbelieve now about the world and our political system and so many other things. I think that's part of it too. I think some people are blinders are just too on. They're just they're just locked down too much. They haven't escaped the matrix enough to really even dig into this stuff. Yeah, yeah and it I makes love, sense. I, love I mean, Jeff's Booth. Go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. I was going to say uh, it's exactly the way that Jeff Booth describes it. You know, when you're in the system, it's hard to evaluate the new and emerging system when you're stuck inside. And so, Bitcoin allows people. I think Bitcoin allows people to take a step out of the matrix, see the system for what it really is, and see the potential of a new and emerging system. Yeah, and I, th- and I think individuals in their own lives, they're so preoccupied with smaller th- day-to-day things, like, like survival, like food and this and, like, and, you know, taking a shower and t- caring for kids. Like, there's a, like, the average person doesn't have all this time to sit around and study, you know, money and the history of these things and and, and 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 these governments, I call it the cartel, because the government's just the cartel to me, right? Um, but they that's what they want. They want the people arguing and worrying about little stuff so they don't see the big con that's happening, right? And so it takes people time. I mean, look, I started uh, when Laura Shin started her show, Unchained. 
I was her producer in 2016. And it wasn't for two and a half years later, that's when I got into Bitcoin. So how... Like, I can't explain that. It's very similar to you, Walter. Like, I just, I guess my brain just didn't get it for a while. Even though I was listening to her, producing her show every week and hearing those guests talk. Although she's not like, she's more of like a, uh, she talks more generally about Bitcoin, not like as in investing and not that it's like a world changing thing. She was just more reporting on news. But still, I could have got in way earlier too. But again, I, I guess it just, that's what better, happens. Better late than never, I guess. Yeah. yeah it, w- it wasn't until I read the Bitcoin standard, I don't think it really made to, uh, more sense to me. Yeah, I was being a degenerate when I first figured out what Bitcoin was. And I was, I had, beyond the technology and the fact that I could use it for pseudonymous payments, I was genu- genuinely nothing about it. And then I started mining in, I want to say, like 2015-ish. Played around with it because I thought that would be interesting. Um ended up spec mining shit coins for a while um yeah yeah and then and then like i said then i started reading about economics and like you know 2016 ish and i was like oh crap like <laughs> it's actually really cool right let's let's talk a little bit more about this energy wasting energy because i know like bitcoin is becoming more and more well, it's using more and more renewable energy, stuff like that. In fact, I look at I looked at some graph, and I think in Canada, it's like seventy percent of the energy going into Bitcoin is like renewable energy or something. And maybe that's because they don't have much mining happening at all. I don't know, but you know, this is one way that the cartels criticizes Bitcoin. Oh, it just uses way too much energy. Um, I don't know. When I read the Bitcoin Standard, it, and 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 I guess understanding Bitcoin a little more, it's like that amount of energy is the thing that keeps Bitcoin what it is, right? Like you need, like that's what keeps it secure. And by the way, I'm still relatively new at talking about Bitcoin. So a lot of times I'll be talking and I, I don't know the words. And um, but, but the energy, like, look, the whole climate thing, right? We know they're going to be coming they're going to keep harping on that. So what, what do you tell people who complain about the energy usage? I think yeah. it's... Oh, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the majority of Bitcoin mining is trending towards what we would consider stranded energy sources. So in a lot of times, renewables, you have peak and off-peak loads for energy consumption. And... The nice thing about Bitcoin mining is you can turn, miners can turn off and a lot of them will have agreements uh, with energy producers about when they can turn on or they'll, you know, if peak load comes up and they're like, hey, can you turn off X amount of your facility? It actually helps stabilize the grid in a lot of ways. And I think that's something that's often missed. And like I said, these stranded energy sources as well. So, I mean, you have everything from like, methane farms that before maybe that was just being flared straight into the atmosphere whereas now you can actually hook up something that for a lot of these places they can earn some revenue from and you you know you're still um flaring that gas but you're actually getting revenue from it so that that's a form of stranded energy right um 
Gridless is another situation. So they operate out of Africa and I'm going to do a bad job of talking about this too, but they actually have agreements with, um, I think most of it's hydroelectric. So a lot of these like small town, what we would not even call a town really, they can put in a small hydroelectric dam. They'll be earning revenue from the mining operation, um, specifically like it off peak hours. So at night and during the day, but it incentivizes putting in infrastructure where you normally wouldn't put infrastructure because these small air like locales, there's just not enough people there, but it affords them the ability to generate electricity and in turn mine Bitcoin. So it's, I, to me, that's one of the biggest pieces of FUD. Yeah. Isn't there also a company in the U S maybe this is gridless. I don't think it's gridless, but there's uh, kind of like you were talking about with stranded stranded energy. There's a company in the U S that's taking like abandoned coal mining sites and burning the, like the residual, uh, coal and like cleaning up those areas that are you know ultimately toxic and doing it by burning this coal to mine bitcoin oh i'm sure i'm sure i i, I, I feel like a dummy because i forget the name of the company they're one of the publicly traded miners but yeah no i think it's something that we're going to see more and more of is these like alternative like what we would consider alternative energy sources that aren't real consistent maybe but Bitcoin, like you throw in the economic incentive of hooking a Bitcoin mining operation up to it. And I, we've actually just turned this into something very profitable. And, you know, I, I don't know. Humanity's built around energy, right? I mean, everything from Ooga Booga, I'm rubbing two sticks together and I made a fire to let's, you know, the internal combustion engine to, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah, Bitcoin's basically. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I I was just going to ask more, mostly if you'd read a book um, called Energy and Civilization by Vlakov Simmel. I probably mispronounced his name, but basically he it's it's a good book about like the history of energy use, and he does like some future predictions. But it basically talks as you know as a society grows, we need to use more energy, not less. It's just been like the like you know as as humans grow as a as a more complex societies we we use more uh yeah more energy i mean bitcoin stored energy and stored compute and it's really no different than all of the energy used at aws's servers is just being stored and used as in a monetary function nobody's complaining about all the energy they're using it's just a ridiculous uh, argument uh plus the points about all the Renewable use uh, are also a really good point. But I mean, uh, you know, if I want to spend $500 a month air conditioning my house, uh, whose business is, is it of yours? It's a freedom issue as well. You know, nobody's forcing me to mine. I'm doing it on my own. That's how you can tell that the cartel is trying to just thwart individual freedom is because what they're saying makes no sense. Like, oh, Bitcoin uses too much energy. Yeah, well, so does a million other things, but you're not going after them. It's it's just they pick and choose, and, and it's really stupid. The, what, what powers the... Uh, it's not energy. It's uh, guns and planes and bombs, and, you know, th that's what backs up the U.S. dollar. Which one's worse? 
Good question. People mining in their homes, obviously. <laughs> Didn't yeah for people who are like adamant about the energy. Um, I really like the work that Daniel Batten has put together. If you guys have seen it, um, he likes to say fight FUD with facts, and he actually does the legwork and the homework um, highlighting. And I think his latest research showed that over 54% of all Bitcoin mining around the world is sustainable, renewable energy. Um, he's even gone so far as to say that um, it's going to be the poster boy for the ESG movement because no other industry reaches that level of consumption of renewable and sustainable energy. And then to, to Nick's point, I really love what Gridless is doing. There was a video that Alex Gladstein, I think, put out stranded not too long ago. And the biggest takeaway for me is that Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining allows um, energy to be or it allows energy production to focus on Bitcoin as the buyer of first resort and not always the buyer of last resort. And then curtailment allows them as that village or that community continues to grow, they can curtail mining and move on to another location. So really that the ability to produce stranded energy at locations that otherwise wouldn't have it that's that's a net good for the entire population, for the entire society, for all of humanity. And I think a lot of people miss that message when all they think about is, you know, how much energy it consumes without even comparing it to anything else. And it reminds me of uh, El Salvador, because I know there's a company in El Salvador called Volcano Energy. But, it, but in El Salvador, are they really tapping into the energy of a volcano is that correct i, I actually no don't idea. know sounds cool. i've heard that many times i just never i was trying to look for the look for it online but i mean mining with geothermal would be sick but i don't know if they're actually doing that yeah i don't know the exact situation where they're at with that and i know in around there too there there's um bitcoin lake too so they're like using geothermal energy coming out of the lake as well. I mean, there's a, a lot of opportunity there, but it, once again, it's these stranded energy sources where like you don't have a lot of people around there. So in the past, it's never made a whole lot of sense to put in the infrastructure. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. There'll continue to be new and new forms of uh, propaganda when we dispel all these myths, there'll just be new ones. So I think another point to make is like, we don't need to spend so much time worrying about this kind of stuff. Um, it's an unstoppable force. They they can't stop it. Um, you know, people that are truly interested in learning, we can spend time with those people and try to help them. But a lot of people just, it's just going to be a waste of our efforts. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Endthefud.org, okay. So to change the subject, I recently saw an article that Argentina is now waiving taxes on Bitcoin. This dude, uh, the president, what's his name? Millet, right? He's, uh, what do you guys think about this? Because I, I personally, I think what El Salvador is doing and what Argentina is sort of doing and moving towards, I think this is great because it, at least there's some countries that are planting the flag in the ground and saying, yes, we're doing this. What do you guys think? 
I, I'm moving oh. there before I cash out my 401k. That's where all my Bitcoins are. They're all in my 401k, so I don't pay taxes on them now at all um, until I get old. Um, but if that's the case, I guess I'm moving there. Sweet. Because my savings and tax would be enough to buy a decent home for sure. So I'll just uh, buy a Casa. Yeah, I think we're going to run into the, the sovereign individual playing out where you're going to have nation states that become more amenable towards people with digital native Bitcoin, right? I mean, if I can put 12 words in my head, get on an airplane, and I've moved my entire net wealth with me, and I'm not paying taxes on it, you know? Yep. But you think the U.S. would definitely try to go after me if I did that, right? Wouldn't they? Wouldn't they be able – because they can track the if they know my Bitcoin wallet – they could try to come you after just me, need but a really good fake mustache and fake wig. I was gonna say Voting that's why you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Voting accident. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why you avoid KYC like a plague. So. Too late. Yeah, so, I, I agree. I mean, I think KYC is a boon. KYC um, is the real crime. <laughs> yeah. With that said, though, I think I mean. Not all of my stack is, but a portion of it. However, I think most people, as they come on to the, they're going to have KYC. I mean, that's just how most of it is. Is um, there a way for people to buy Bitcoins from miners without KYC? Is there a, who's doing this? It seems I'm like a service not- we need. There have been some mining companies. I think like Barefoot Mining was one that they offered like direct, uh, direct sales to people. I mean, granted, they I think they have caps on their spending. So if you're buying like 0.5 or like a whole Bitcoin or something, you know, they'll they'll talk to you or multiple Bitcoin. And so I, yeah, I know some miners are like kind of being like, yeah, you know, we'll sell you our excess or whatever. <laughs> um, but that's SAS, not every miner, of course. SAS Mining's you so it's basically software as a service with without um, KYC. So as long as you pay for the rig, they install it, start mining, and it's no KYC involved. I mean, what information do you have to give that SAS miner? Email, phone if you want. Okay. As long as they're not not requiring ID or anything. I've always wondered yeah. when I s- occasionally will sell Bitcoin to pay for my mining uh, hosting fees. And I occasionally wonder, like, shouldn't I be getting paid an excess rate for this? Because these are totally virgin coins. Um, seems like it should be that way, right? Or am I wrong? I think that that will eventually become true. You know, when there's discussions about the UTXO history of a coin has it been joined in the past is it part of an OFAC list so on and so forth yeah oh completely agree but I think that virgin coins there is the potential that virgin coins could demand a premium in the future it's asinine in my in my mind but um yeah (laughs) there's I mean yeah no that's uh yeah unfortunately there's like the theory 
and then there's real world. And I come across this all the time talking about anarchism. It's like there's anarchism in theory. You can't beat it in an argument. You can't, there's, that's it. That's the truth. That's, that's it. Any statism, you can't stand up to anarchism, theoretically. But then you have the real world in which anarchism is never going to be put into practice as true anarchism because it'll just never happen. There's always going to be psychos who are power hungry and, you know, want to do that. So in the same way, like you're saying, Enki, it's terrible that all this stuff with Bitcoin is going to happen. But that's just like it. That's the real world is you're going to have governments and cartels that are going to make us jump through hoops. And it's just a mess. But that's what it is. I guess. All right. On that note. <laughs> Real anarchy hasn't been tried yet. That's <laughs> Well, I was going to say, like, any, like on paper, any, any, any on paper ideology, I mean, people are assholes, so you're never going to get pure communism. You're never going to get pure socialism. And, you know, pure democracy is just crappy mob rule. So, I mean, like any ideology, there's, you know, yeah, yeah a pure version will never work because people suck, unfortunately. Humans ruin it, right? <laughs> Yeah, but that's yeah. why that's yeah. That's why this is a spiritual adventure that we're on. It's not physical. Like the physical world is never going to be perfect. You you know what I mean? Like it's always going to have ups and downs, light and dark. We that's du duality is the world of the physical existence and we're going to have pain and pleasure everything and it's just going to keep oscillating. Um but spiritually speaking uh Spiritually, we can achieve whatever we can achieve through meditation and all that. But, um, but in the physical world, it's just this. This is the plane we're on, and this is the <laughs> the war we're in, right? Pretty much. So, all right, let's talk about. By the way, does, do any of you want to uh, shout anything out at all? I mean, I know Walter and Anki probably don't, because. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, all right. So what, um, going forward, when is the supply crunch going to happen? Because, you know, again, we don't have to talk ETF, but the ETF just happened and blah, blah, blah. And now there's going to be a lot more people getting into Bitcoin, but there seems to be a bunch of Bitcoin here and there that, you know, Grayscale is selling, Coinbase is selling, like there's a... I, I heard there's like 2 million Bitcoin that are able to be sold, kind of, and I, whatever. But uh, but once that's gone, then the supply shock happens and the price goes up. So you guys know more about, you, you know more about that than me. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> when are we mooning? I guess that's the question. <laughs> Isn't that always the question? When <laughs> moon? It's not about money, Nick. <laughs> but when are we all getting Lambos and girlfriends? <laughs> Please. I mean, anyone in chat? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this year is it going to this year we're going to we're going to head up, right? When's the happening coming? April and April. Yeah, 420. So what's that? That's the goal. <laughs> Anybody anybody going to Bitblock Boom in April in Dallas besides me? No. All right. Carpool. Okay. So Just uh, it out there. when that happens, uh, <laughs> tell me what tell me what's going to happen to my mining fees. Your mining fees? What do you mean yeah. at the half? I mean the, my earning, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, your yeah. mining fees are going to stay the same, but your your Bitcoin per day or per month is expected to get cut in half. But Chris, to, to answer your question, I you know I, I sense the hesitation with the group. I know that I hesitated on jumping on this question, um, and so I'll, I'll kind of fall back on like you know the the economics of it, right? And supply and demand. As long as grayscale and GPTC continue to bleed out, I don't see a, a massive crunch in supply or scarcity. The other piece of that that we don't know are all of the short-term holders and even potentially the long-term holders. Um, they're, they're going to sell into accumulation and price appreciation. There's, there's no way around that. If we look at the history and previous cycles, that, is, that has always happened. Um, yeah, I think there's currently 1.8 million Bitcoin available on exchanges right now, which doesn't include Grayscale. And so really is the new issuance getting cut in half in April, what's currently available on the exchange, and then what is the demand of the people? I don't think that the ETFs have actually seen real demand yet. What it looks like is for the for the most part, and there are still some, there's new money coming in. But what it looks like is a lot of that buying is buying up GBTC that's being sold. Uh, so when that stops, you know, we can reevaluate and start to take a look at, hey, what does is, what is supply on exchange really look like? And then the last thing is the price is going to be set at the margins. So if long-term holders continue to hold, that price is only going to increase until it gets to a point where somebody is willing to sell. When people study and learn Bitcoin and... They understand that it's it's not just number go up, it's also freedom go up. I think that's when you start to see the real diamond hands and people decide, I'm not ever gonna sell this. I would much rather hold on to this and pay, you know, dirty fiat money to pay my bills and pay my house, but I'm gonna give this to my kids or my grandkids. That's the perspective that I have at least. Makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think even Jack Spirko on his show, the survival podcast he was talking about he, he even said none of us are even going to be alive by the time bitcoin really rises to where it's going like literally even our children are, might not be alive and i think it could happen sooner than that especially with the the geopolitical nonsense and the like like and, and the whole you know um the fourth turning and that this is the, the our world war you know, right now, which I believe it is, but I think things are going to get so crazy that, and, and these psychos who are in charge, they're going to just keep pushing it to the limit and it's going to break. And then there's, and again, this might be hopium talking, but then the, the people are going to realize like, yeah, these, we can't let these psychos run thing, run things. And in that case, Bitcoin is the, is the currency. It's the store of value that can serve everyone equally and so it might happen sooner than later that bitcoin becomes much you know more highly adopted but we don't know imagine a bitcoin loving president in america imagine what happens yeah getting we it was, this we're not getting it this time around but could in theory happen in, uh, not that far in the future pretty yeah, skeptical it, about that but we'll see <laughs> Yeah, well, we, that's the thing. We don't know, right? We just don't know. So. Well, it happened to El Salvador. Why can't it happen to us? 
Yeah, it could. I mean, people are expecting insanity this year. Some people are saying we're not even going to have an election. Well, I know I mean, they've a been lot saying of that, that for the last that. few years. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, we don't know. So I also know people that think Trump is still somehow secret president. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. how, how that works, but it's interesting <laughs> the theory some people have. Yeah, it takes all kinds, I guess. Right. All right. So we're almost out of time, but I wanted to bring up this other idea of layer twos. You know, we have the lightning network and now we, and then there's liquid. And I don't know a lot about these things technically, but I recently got this app on my phone called Aqua. Apparently it's a new app and apparently it's lightning and liquid and all that. So um, if you were, you know, can any of you sort of describe lightning and liquid and, and what an app like that could do you know, for like, if someone's watching, they don't know much about Bitcoin. Maybe they're not even into Bitcoin yet. Like, uh, it'd be nice to talk about these layer twos cause they're, they're, that's how we can transact with Bitcoin day to day. Right. I, I, I could, um, but I'm not a big fan of liquid. So if anyone wants to talk first, they, uh, they, you know, probably should. <laughs> well, explain why, why are you not a fan of liquid? Um, so if and I was talking again, I was talking about this yesterday at the meetup because we were actually talking about Fediment for most of the time. Um, but if and please correct me if I get my facts wrong, but I'm pretty sure Liquid. I mean, so it it is a separate. It's a side chain, but it's its own separate blockchain. All the fees get paid to uh, get paid to Blockstream. So it's essentially just a corpo side chain and no one in it's, you know, whatever. It's fine for doing experiments and, you know, whatever. If, that's what people want to do, but I think is like in terms of a long-term solution, mainly because it's just a corporate sidechain. I don't really think it's going to go anywhere. And honestly, I don't know anyone who actually uses Liquid. I mean, if you look at its blockchain, most of the transactions are empty. <laughs> like no one's no one's actually using the sidechain. So it's like sure they have it running and a few transactions happen every now and then um and also i think liquid was uh, specifically focused on trying to get uh, exchanges to use it. it was part of the reason they sped up the block uh the block time and then they added a little bit of transaction privacy on top of it but yeah no i'm just not a big fan of liquid in general i mean there are other yeah i i, I guess i'm just not a big fan of side chains that you have to pay in and out of so feels a little bit like a shitcoinery to me but that's just i guess my opinion <laughs> right well you're comparing it to lightning which is individual nodes it's a decentralized system with individual nodes and people can run their own nodes and it's so lightning is more like bitcoin right in that it's decentralized I mean, lightning is bitcoin like like lightning is yeah. at, you actually are transacting with bitcoin instead of using a side chain which i think some people don't at least i've i've seen at least on noster and whatnot that there is some misunderstanding like there it took me a while to wrap my own head around lightning and you know it, it took me reading the technical details to to realize that oh yeah no this is actually bitcoin that you're using it's not just some like pegged out iou so yeah it's a to a two multi-sig channel between yep. two parties. And there is a, it's trustless in the, the means that it, it's bound in a HTLC. And so there is a penalty associated with it too. So if somebody yep. attempts to take the funds illegitimately, they are penalized for it. Um, yeah, you can send a penalty transaction and actually like, it's a little harsh, but you can take their side of the channel. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's, yeah, and that's fundamentally how it works. So, I mean, you can, so even if your node goes offline, there are watchtower services as well that you can set up so that your node, basically your channel states are being monitored by a watchtower. Um, and if your node even goes offline and you're not online to emit the penalty transaction, um, you the watchtower can do that on your behalf. It's... Yep. Where I kind of wonder about lightning is if it's going to, as we watch block fees continue to grow, if you're not in lightning right now, it's going to become even more difficult to right. open lightning channels because you're still paying on chain fees. Same with closures. I was going to say, through, I don't know if I, you saw the whole mutiny Zeus forced closure debacle that was happening but yeah yeah yep and i so i've run two i've run both lnd and cln um implementations and LND currently i've been yeah, wanting to switch to cln the force closes when we had the major spikes with the ordinals craze um i had a few force closes that were his I think I was paying like twenty, thirty dollars on a channel that maybe had I, I it was like hundreds of thousands of sats to yeah. in a force close because it just the apparently the way the two because CLN versus LND, they had different implementations on how to negotiate fees for mm -hmm. closures. And anyways, it it was bad. Um so I mean if I think Lightning is one aspect to scaling. I don't know, like side chains, I mean, block space is limited. There will only ever be so much block space. I don't know if side chains are necessarily an appropriate means of scaling. I think what we're going to see in the long run is Chomian eCash, whether it I'm be Fediments. fan of Cashew. <laughs> yeah, whether it be Fediments or, e, uh, or Cashew or some other implementation. Um, but as we, you know, I think those auditability is what you run into with eCash. Yeah, eCash and I mean, like as much as I like eCash, it doesn't really solve any problems because it just adds the same kind of like custodial centralization problem that Lightning already has. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's great. It's like a private layer, I guess, that you could, you know, that interrupts with lightning, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I try not to bash on lightning too much. I mean, obviously I, I, I run a node and I know it's yeah. not the easiest thing to do, but like, I don't know. I'm still not totally convinced that lightning's the be all end all solution. There could be something else that comes out that, or like, I mean, and lightning is still relatively young, maybe like, I don't know, there'll be a breakthrough in lightning development that'll make it like less of a hub and spoke style model or something. So we'll, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Channel splicing is an interesting feature. I know, um, like Phoenix and uh, Eclair, um, they both allow channel splicing. So that basically means you can recommit a UTXO and add additional liquidity because it's like managing the liquidity on a Lightning node is something that if you're not akin to or you're not aware of it, it can be like, why is my payment failing now? Right. Yeah, definitely. So the there's a learning curve. And I honestly, I mean, I think like most people, 
I hate to say it, I think a lot of folks are going to end up with some sort of custodial solution. Because I hate it as well, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at like Wallet of Satoshi, and yeah, it's a, it's a custodial lightning wallet that's extremely popular around the world. I mean, not so much here in the USSA, but... Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I... I bought a Raspberry Pi. I bought a Start Nine server, and I I, I meant to I set up. Say, please don't run a note on a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I I was gonna set up my light a Lightning channel and all that, and like I just never did because the more I researched it, I was like, I, I don't know enough about it, and I'm not comfortable doing it. AC, do you have any comments on the Lightning and Liquid and all this? Yeah, I, I agree with Nick, um, and I got this from Bob Burnett over at Barefoot Mining, and he talks about block space and block weight and the inability for, you know, the base chain layer one to transact for every single person uh, in the world is going to eventually force people into something else. And right now, you know, whether that's lightning, liquid, fediment, um, you name it, and there's obviously going to be further development in it. Um, but back to what you had initially started with for your users, I think that the biggest thing with lightning is it's global, instantaneous, anywhere around the world, extremely low fee. You know, you could get down to like one or two sats, depending on the amount that you're sending. And then it's instant final settlement. Your users are probably used to using a credit card. And it seems instantaneous when you swipe it or you tap it at the point of sales terminal. But the reality is it's like three or five days until it actually settles. Really, all it is is an abstraction of fiat and an extension of debt. So if people can start to understand the current system that they're in and realize that there is a newer, better system out there, it's, it's probably going to be something related or it will be related to Bitcoin and to a layer two solution, whether that's today or a layer two solution in the future. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I uh, you, you can just, I feel it in Bitcoin that lightning is good. There's, you know, what all the things you guys mentioned are, there's, you know, positives and negatives to everything. But it's like, it's like you can just feel the whole industry kind of growing and morphing and figuring out like what is the best solution and it, it might even be a new solution like you just said so that's pretty exciting so this has been great uh it's been great hanging out i mean this is cool that even on a day where there or even a week where there's really no big news and there's no movement of price and there's i mean there's little stories but i'm i can't wait for the bull run to happen and we have these just ridiculous days with ridiculous candles because then everybody's energy is up, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, we're in it for more than the price, but we're in it for the price too. So, Walter, yes, sir? Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, Walter. Thank you, Anki, AC, and Nick. Seriously, this was great. Um, you, you, now you guys can put on your resume, you were on the very first Bitcoin panel live stream. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm honored I don't know to be what else. in such yeah. esteemed company. You guys are all very smart. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, yeah maybe next time I'll be a little bit less hungover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so and you're all welcome back. I'll I'll ping you for next week or whenever, but it's all up to you. And um, so if you're watching, thanks for watching. Um, as you can see, we're figuring out. I'm figuring out how to to you know to to do this Bitcoin panel. And but this is exciting because you guys are just so knowledgeable with so much experience and wisdom in the Bitcoin space. So I really appreciate appreciate you all for being here. And uh, and don't forget to, to join our locals group. Oh, yeah, baby. Wait, where is it? There it is. Let's go. This is our this is our community here. So it's uh, fractal Bitcoin on locals. So definitely definitely join the group and we'll see you next time. So, all right. Well, thanks everybody. Um, I'll end the stream. We can hang out for a second and talk afterwards real quick. Uh, but that's it. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace.